Swing round and round when I'm far away Well, may the world go, the world go, the world go Well, may the world go when I'm far away Well, may the world go, the world go, the world go Well, may the world go when I'm far away Well Made the World Go, John McCutcheon singing with uh, Tim O'Brien on that particular recording from a brand new album that we've been playing the last couple of weeks, To Everyone in All the World, A Celebration of Pete Seeger. It's the 40th album being released by John McCutcheon. It kind of fulfills a trilogy that uh, John has been working on in the past few years. And uh, I, I received this on the f- New Year's Eve. I got the advanced copy, and I can tell you already, this is going to be one of the albums of the year. This is just an, an amazing collection. And we are so lucky because we have with us on the phone right now, Mr. John McCutcheon. John, how are you? <laughs> I'm fine, Ron. How are you? I'm doing good. Uh, first of all, congratulations, and thank you for putting this CD out. Um, I'm sure many of our listeners know that this year, 2019, marks the 100th anniversary of Pete Seeger. 
And I know there's probably going to be a number of albums and tributes and concerts and such, but uh, you have really given us a gem. Um, this recording is uh, 15 cuts, 15 songs, some of them that I think people will be recognizing, some that they won't. But I think you've been able to show what Pete's music was all about. You bring these songs to life. So uh, congratulations. <laughs> it must have been a long process. Well, as I said in the liner notes, this is an album that I've been waiting over 50 years to make. I uh, I discovered folk music uh, thanks to my mother who, who made her hyperactive little 11-year-old son sit down on the couch next to her and um, watch the March on Washington uh, in August of 1963. And that was the day I discovered folk music. I, I had no idea it existed before, but here was Joan Baez and Bob Dylan and Peter, Paul, and Mary. And um, one of the songs that Peter, Paul, and Mary did was If I Had a Hammer. It was one of a, a song that Pete wrote with his... Um, his longtime Weavers uh, co-member uh, and friend, Lee Hayes. And uh, what was really remarkable to me is, is as the cameras panned the crowd, everybody knew all the words. I mean, you had white people and black people and uh, people that were, you know, famous and people who uh, you could tell had gone to great trouble to get there. And everybody sang along with this song. And I thought, what is this? And, uh, you know, why does this make me feel this way? And I, my best friend uh, from across our town uh, was watching the same thing. And he and I got guitars. And it was that kind of invitational attitude that folk music at that time had. And, and lo and behold, that if I had a hammer was, um, you know, that's, I didn't know anything about Pete Seeger for about another two or three years but that was my introduction that's that's a great introduction to have and uh it certainly led you on to uh to a, to an, an amazing career uh 40 recordings already that's that's just a good start i think you know <laughs> <laughs> well it pales in comparison to a lot of people to pete to tom paxton to, right. you know lots of people but um you know it's it, i'm still that hyperactive 11 year old <laughs> Well, and like my mother popped out a product every year. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, the, the product that you popped out this year, uh, this wonderful album to everyone in all the world. Uh, as I said before, you, you know, you, you do some songs um, that I think people will immediately recognize. Uh, but I think you do them in such a way and with such wonderful guests that it makes them so fresh. I mean, I think we all know Pete's recording and, you know, Peter, Paul and Mary and everybody else who's done this song. Uh, but you chose to record If I Had a Hammer with the group Beausoleil. You know, uh, Michael and I, Michael Dufay and I have been friends for, golly, 30, 40 years. And um, I've recorded with various members of Beausoleil, but never with Michael, uh, strangely enough. And uh, so Michael and, and Chad and Billy uh, were available, and I said, I have this idea of doing this song this way, it, it, a way that, to my knowledge, it's, it's not been done before. Um, but I also wanted to take it out on the dance floor. I remembered the kind of celebratory nature that I saw as a camera pan that, that crowd back in 1963. And I thought, you know, I, well, and you, you mentioned earlier that there's this trilogy and with each of these, one to Woody Guthrie, one to Joe Hill, I also wanted to 
take the songs as we knew them out of their um, the boxes in which we all kind of have them in our memories and uh, translate them into something that's going to introduce new people to um, to Pete's music and and what it meant because it was far more than just music. I had a hammer, I'd hammer in the morning, and I would hammer in the evening, all over this land. I'd hammer out danger, I'd hammer out warning, and I'd hammer up love between my brothers and my sisters, oh. I would ring it in the morning And I would ring it in the evening All over this land And I'd ring out danger I'd ring out warning I'd ring out love between my brothers and my sisters All over this land
If I Had a Hammer, that's John McCutcheon with uh, Beau Soleil and Michael Doucette. It's uh, recording the second cut on the new CD, To Everyone in All the World. John McCutcheon was with us on the phone today. And uh, John, I think, as, as you said you know, before, you, you brought it to the dance floor. And, and you, you bring many of these songs, songs that such as Guantanamera that you, you do with uh, uh, Katia Cardinal. Uh, they, they, they have such wonderful new life to them. Um, well, uh, see, Guant- uh, Guantanamera in particular, you know, is it's all over Cuba, and my wife is Cuban, and it's a song that is sung at every wedding and Noche Buena and when you know Labor Day party when we all get together, and um, you know, I just had to do it full on Cuban, and, and mm-hmm. Katya is an old friend of mine, um, and is one half of my favorite group in the world, Duo Guadalajara which unfortunately is a solo because her brother Salvador, who was the other half, passed away a few years ago. But um, it was an opportunity for us to record it. We've performed together, but we've never recorded together. So some of these things just sort of did themselves. Mm-hmm. Guantanamara had to be Cuban. Well May the World Go had to be bluegrass. Um, some of the others, though, were an opportunity to just stretch out a little bit. Yeah. I mean, we turned Talking Union into a hip-hop song. Oh, I thought that was brilliant. That was with uh, Corey Harris. Love that one. But, you know, you also brought out uh, a number of songs that I I don't think, unless you're a really hardcore Pete Seeger collector, fan, whatever you want to call it, uh, you may not recognize. And and there was one song that really struck me, and I I couldn't recall Pete's version of this until I heard yours, and I had to go back to the archives. But it's a song called The Spider's Web, which was uh, based on an E.B. White uh, piece. Yeah, it's... and that song, in fact, is the only song on the collection that I learned in my adulthood. Um, every other song on the recording I learned when I was a teenager. Um, and, and I've loved them for that long. And this was uh, a song that was love at first listen. Um, I never heard Pete perform it. It was on an album that uh, we were both at the Grammys um, back in, I don't know, <laughs> in the 1800s and uh, we were both up for something and and paul winter had uh produced an album called uh pete and it was on that album uh and it's an eb white poem uh, called the spider's web he's a guy who apparently has a thing for spiders and he wrote it as a love poem to his wife catherine pete then put a melody to it as a gift his wife Toshi um, and I decided to record it as, as a love song to my wife Carmen and I, I think I have to say right now that I loved Pete but I adored Toshi <laughs> she was one of the most remarkable people I've ever met and I had to touch this space just as an homage to her Dropping down from twig 
unfolds a plan of her devising a thin premeditated rig to use in rising and all this journey down through space in cool descent and loyal hearted she spins a ladder to the place from where she started I go forth as spiders do In spider's web A truth discerning Attach one silken strand to you For my returning The Spider's Web A song that was written by Pete Seeger From the words of E.B. White and uh, it was sung here so beautifully by John McCutcheon on his new album, To Everyone in All the World, a celebration of Pete Seeger. John is with us on the phone today. And John, as we, we mentioned before, this was uh, the completion of a, of a trilogy that you created. Uh, we started off with the 100th birthday tribute to Woody Guthrie, the album called This Land, Woody Guthrie's America. A few years back, you also did one for Joe Hill on the 100th anniversary of his death, Joe Hill's Last Will. And now this one for Pete. When you first recorded the Woody Guthrie, were you thinking along these lines of doing a trilogy? No, actually, I wasn't. Um, I just knew that um, I owed something to Woody. Uh, when I got my first guitar at age 14, I schwinned my way down to our local library because I didn't have money for lessons looking for a guitar instruction book. And the only thing that the Dewey Decimal System led me to was uh, a book entitled Woody Guthrie Folk Songs. And I had no idea who Woody Guthrie was. I mean, every American kid grows up singing Woody Guthrie songs in school, but in school they never tell you who writes the songs that you're singing. Um, and so I learned to play, you know, the first 50 songs I learned were from the Woody Guthrie songbook. And so he had a huge, you know, his fingerprints are all over my music. His his um, very ecumenical approach to what he writes about and who you write for and just, you know, be plain spoken and tell the truth and better yet, put it in a story. Um, And so I did this. And then um, at the same time, I was developing a one man play with my uh, my best friend of many years, uh, Cy Khan about the last night of Joe Hill's life. And we knew the, that his, um, the anniversary of his death was coming up in 2015. And in the course of prepping the, um, the play, I had to learn about 20 Joe Hill songs. Uh, and I really sat with them and I performed them a bunch and I had all kinds of ideas. And I thought, well, you know, nobody has done an album of just Joe Hill songs for 65 years. Um, so let's, I mean, there have been collections of IWW songs and so on, or songs about Joe Hill, but to get let Joe Hill's voice sing out a hundred years after his death, it gave me an opportunity to think, well, this is a parody of a Tin Pan Alley song, so let's perform it like that. This is something that he wrote as a parody of Salvation Army Brass Brands, Bass, Brass Band. Great, let's put a brass band together and record The Preacher and the Slave with that. So it was great fun, and the songs 
really came alive. And I, you know, I record with a bass group of guys who are just so fabulous that they, they're able to breathe life into my, my little ideas. And then, so once I did the Joe Hill thing, then I knew I would do Pete's thing. And especially when he died five years ago now. Um, I mean, there's, it's a hole in my life that will never be filled. Sure. And so I just poured a bunch of music into it as Pete did to our lives. Yeah. And, and the thing that we were mentioning about, about Joe Hill, uh, and, and Pete and Woody, uh, as we talked about before, you know, some of the songs that you sing on this album are not the songs that everyone knew, especially like Joe Hill. I mean, those songs were written over a hundred years ago. Uh, people, the general population probably knows one or two of them, but, the way you recorded all three of these albums, you bring these songs into a contemporary setting. You bring them into words that fit the stories and the news of and the, and the problems we're facing today. You know, there's a song I want to play from your, your new album. I'd love to share Sailing Down My Golden River. Mm. Um, you know, you, you do other songs like Waist Deep and The Big Muddy, but, but something about that one song has always struck me. Um, you know, it really kind of symbolizes a lot of what Pete felt about the environment, uh, the Hudson River, and uh, you recorded this with Susie Bogus. Um, yeah, this is a lovely one. Well, Susie Bogus and I have uh, have duetted numerous times. She's one of my favorite singers. She she covers up my many flaws, <laughs> and uh, we we love singing together. And she was so eager. I mean. You know, people will marvel at the fact that you have I have so many guests on this album. Believe me, it was a really easy call to call any of these people and say, "Hey, I'm doing an album of Pete Seeger songs. You want to join in?" And I remember being in the studio at the end of the session with Hot Rise, which was one take. I mean, we are, the the five of us were so much in the same pocket. It's our genre. Um, that I said, "I need to get your information so I can pay you," and they looked at me. We're getting paid for this, <laughs> uh, uh, but uh, "Sailing Down My Golden River" was a song that I heard on, I think, what was Pete's last Columbia album, and it was the opening cut. And I remember I had a little—I was home from college or something—and so I had a bed down in the basement of my parents' house, and I was put it on my little turntable, and I just listened to this one song over and over it was just so beautiful and so moving that i was daunted by it i, I never thought about performing it or singing it because just because it was perfect to me it encapsulates pete's whole approach to his life's work some people will say it's you know his political work is his life's work as that was it was based in the love of the thing that he was working with he loved the Hudson River. It was his front yard. And it mattered to him, and it mattered that, that it flowed by all his neighbors' properties, and that it belonged to everybody. And that was his magic, that he made it all a concert, an environmental movement, singing on the, on the mall in Washington, D.C. It didn't matter. It was about us. And that was one of the remarkable things that he gave us. Sailing down my golden river 
sun and water all my own Yet I was never alone Sun and water, old life givers I'll have them wherever I roam Yet I was not far from home Sunlight glancing on the water Life and death are all my own Yet I was never alone Life for all my sons and daughters Golden sparkles in the foam Yet I was not far Down this winding highway Travelers from near and far And I was never alone Exploring all the little byways Sighting all the distant stars Yet I was not Sailing Down My Golden River. That's John McCutcheon and uh, Susie Boggess on the new album, To Everyone in All the World, a celebration of Pete Seeger. John McCutcheon's brilliant new album. And, and John, I, I, I mentioned this on my Facebook page. I, I listened to this one uh, on New Year's Day, and I wasn't expecting that this album was going to be as beautiful as it was. I was literally sitting there with tears in my eyes as I, I heard this, especially that last cut. You know, you captured, as you were saying before, you know, Pete's Pete's life, his uh, his love of, of of his neighbors, his love of the environment, and 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 what he taught us. Pete was obviously someone who was important in your life. Let's go back a little bit. When when did you first meet Pete? Well, I met him the same way anybody meets uh, an artist at a concert. It was afterwards. He was in the lobby, and I went up and introduced myself. 
Um, and I was, you know, I was a fan and, and nothing more. A few years later, I was, you know, dipping my toe into the world of being a professional musician. And we ran into one another at a festival and he was immediately interested in me. He had watched my set and I was, I was raw as an onion and made people cry for the same reason. Uh, but he treated me like a peer from day one, but there was always, always a sense that he understood. And I think it was because of, he was coming to terms with his age. Uh, I mean, Pete was writing goodbye songs like quite early morning in his fifties. And after a while, you just thought for crying out loud, Pete, you know, you're not dead yet. Uh, but he was preparing us, I think. And he was, uh, and he knew that he had some wisdom to impart and he was generous with that, but not in a condescending, you know, professorial way. He would compliment you when you were doing well. He would give you suggestions when you thought you were erring. Um, and he never lost the opportunity to say, come play with me. Or, you know, I can remember many times being someplace and Pete just jumped up and joined in with me. It was that kind of, um, generosity that really moved me and now that i'm in my mid-60s i look around and i think okay well uh that was another thing he taught me to you know be a guide uh and and be uh give some gentle direction because we're all you know it, it's a cliche well we're links in a chain but pete was very humble about that Pete was a shy man despite the fact that he was the most recognizable folk musician in the world but he was private and he was not comfortable in his skin when he was out there. But he, when he came, hopped on stage, you know, he was in his element. And I often told him the best instrument that he would say, Oh, you play so many instruments. Well, so much better than me. I said, Pete, you play one instrument better than anybody. And that is the audience, how to bring an audience together and turn them into a community. Anybody, any of your listeners, everyone to a PC or concert knows exactly what I'm talking about. And he gave us a guide for what a concert could be, that it's more than just sitting up there showing off. Absolutely. And and you've given us such a such a gift here, showing these songs and, 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 and carrying on the spirit of Pete. You know, someone once said, oh, not someone, I hear a lot of people saying this, there'll, there'll never be another Pete. Well, well, of course not. But I think each of us in our own way... Um, Learn something from Pete, and and you obviously have, and and now you're carrying it on with your with your music. Uh, you're in the middle of a tour, and I really appreciate you taking some time to spend with us today to talk about this new CD. Uh, before we wrap things up, um, I, I, you know, I, we all know Pete. Um, most of my audience, I'm sure, have seen Pete, as you said. But for future generations, what do you think the message of Pete Seeger is going to be? You know. For me and so many of your listeners, it's all wrapped up in having experienced that live performance element, which doesn't come across on concerts, and I'm sorry, on recordings, though Pete put out many live recordings, and in fact, my, uh, you know, the, the transformative album of my life was We Shall Overcome, Pete's 1963 uh, concert at Carnegie Hall. He had just come back from the Civil Rights Movement, and he sang all these amazing songs, that, that he had not written, that had sort of percolated up from the grassroots, and he brought those to a wider audience. 
And that was one of his great gifts. He did not put himself out there just as a songwriter. He did not put himself out there just as a banjo player. Uh, he, he sang children's songs. He introduced us to a huge canon of traditional American music that many of us would not know. I mean, look at the Springsteen Seeger sessions. That's like a, a trip through your elementary school music book. And yet it was Pete that introduced, reintroduced all those albums to us. He's seen as a political singer. He's seen as a great champion of the Hudson River. Um, that you can be all these things. And one of the great things he showed me was, I remember I was in college and I heard about his focusing on the Clearwater and on the Hudson River. And at the time I thought, Oh, for crying out loud, Pete, there's a war going on in Southeast Asia. How could you turn your back on that and just do something small like this? But it wasn't small at all. He put the flesh on the cliche of bones that says all politics is local. That's where change happens. He believed that, he understood that, and he lived that. So there's a huge body of Pete's work. These are only 15 of the thousands of songs that people can explore. You know, make them your own. Uh, like with the Joe Hill album, like with the Woody Guthrie album, you listen to these and young people will say, you mean we're still struggling with these same things in Joe Hill's case, for instance, a hundred years later? Uh, yes, we are. Yes, we are. And there's music that can sustain us, that can move our hips and move mountains. Mm. Well, John, I, I know you're, you're about, you're, you're joining us today and you're on your way to a concert. So I, I want to thank you for spending some time with us. And, uh, again, my, my sincere thanks for creating this magnificent album, uh, to oh, all Oh, it was a labor of love. Uh, and thank you for, for sharing it with your listeners. Well, we, we look forward to hearing more. I, I've only played a couple cuts here, but we're going to end our little, uh, little visit today with the, the song that ends this, um, uh, recording. It's not a song that was written by Pete, but it's a song that I think most of us uh, associate with him. It's based on an old Quaker hymn. And uh, you do a very interesting version of it on this one. I was in Australia a number of years ago and playing a, a number of world music festivals and met a group of young Tibetan musicians. And I didn't know much about Tibetan music, so I went to all their sets and they started coming to mine. And at the end, they gave me this beautiful singing bowl and when I thought about Tibet and I thought about the sound of this bowl and this song, which was actually the title cut of my very first album back in 1974, 75, um, I just decided to do it just with a singing bowl. And it was, uh, I'm glad I did it that way. It, it was a nice, stark ending to this album. Oh, I'm glad you did that way, too. John McCutcheon, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thank you, Ron. My life flows on in endless song Above earth's lamentation I hear the real, though far-off hymn That hails a new creation No storm can shake my inmost calm while to that rock I'm clinging, it sounds an echo in my soul. How can I keep from singing? 
What though the darkness round me falls, I know the truth, it liveth. What though the tempest round me roars, songs in the night it giveth. No storm can shake my inmost calm, while to that rock I'm clinging. It sounds an echo in my soul. How can I keep from singing? Tyrants tremble sick with fear And hear their death knells ringing When friends rejoice both far and near How can I keep from singing In prison cell and dungeon vile Our thoughts to them are winging When friends by shame are undefiled how can I keep from singing? My life flows on in endless song Above earth's lamentation I hear the real though far off hymn That hails a new creation through all the tumult and the strife Those freedom bells come ringing Since love is Lord of heaven and earth Hi, this is John McCutcheon, and you're listening to Traditions over 89.1 FM WFDU Teaneck, also streaming live and archived at WFDU.FM.